Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. Psalm 117 says, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. We are here this morning to praise the Lord and give thanks to him for all the things that he has done for us. Good morning and welcome to our morning worship service, and I'm so glad that you are here. First thing I want to do this morning is I want to hold up this right here, and I want you to pull one out, and I want you to hold it up so I can see it too. And if you don't have one, we want to get you one, because this is going to be an important piece to your week this week, okay? I don't want to ruin it for Tim, but we, we want you to get these out, know that you've got them, use them this week as we prepare for spiritual renewal. Take your bulletins and let's go through those really quickly. We want to make sure that you're aware of some things that are going on. Got a lot of things going on in the life of our church today. Um, have a baby shower this afternoon, which is listed in there. It's in the fellowship hall. And uh, before I forget about it, it appears that someone put a gift on the gift table in there and left their keys there too. So if you come out of church today and you're looking for your keys, they might be on the gift table in the fellowship hall. So just FYI. But there, there is a shower this afternoon, and also uh, going on this afternoon, the uh, family of Mr. Frank Wall will be receiving friends in the LEC from 1.30 till 3, and then his funeral will be in here at 3 o'clock today. So please be in prayer for the Wall family. Um, Mr. Frank was a, was a good, sweet man, and we just uh, uh, spend the day remembering him and pray for his family as um, they go through the grieving process today. Also, there are a lot of other things listed here about some good things going on around us. So uh, please make sure that you read those, the uh, activities of things lined up for this week. We do have our spiritual growth, our final, this is the final one, isn't it, tonight? Our final spiritual growth session tonight at 5, where we look at uh, Bob Russell's book, When God Builds a Church. And we have our final... um, Survival kit class tonight at 6.30, but at 6 o'clock, and this is an important thing for you if you haven't put this on your calendar, we are hosting the Chamber Orchestra tonight from Crest High School. So that will begin at 6 o'clock tonight here in the sanctuary. So we invite everyone to come and, and be a part of that. That will be a, a great time to, um, to be with them tonight. So please continue to, to look at the things that are going on this week. And without further ado, I want to recognize Tim Qualbaum, who is on our evangelism committee, about our upcoming spiritual renewal. Good morning, and welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Um, if you will, pull this out and look at it and open it up. Um, when we started looking at ways to uh, energize our church, one of the things we thought about was that we needed to do this by, uh, through our lay people. And so, um, this is the only piece that the pastors of our church have done, the inside of this. Uh, Jim and Wesley wrote these. There are very quick devotionals for each day, starting tomorrow. There's a short uh, passage of scripture with a prayer or a thought. And so, we would love for each one of you to participate in that each day as you go through. And if you'll look, when you fold the... Right side, you'll see the prayer service for 
next Sunday morning. And we uh, have had a change. We moved uh, Gene Cox from uh, Sunday evening to Sunday morning. There's lots of different ways these people are going to participate. Some of them will be sharing their faith journey. Some will be sharing by music. And some will be doing both of those. Some will be doing a, a children's sermon. So uh, you notice that there's lots of different people involved there. And we're so excited that each one of them are involved. On Sunday evening, there's a different group of people participating. And then on Monday evening, we hope that you will commit to come to every day, to every service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Monday evening. Uh, you know, back in the day... Um, we used to have a lot of revivals. Well, they don't call them revivals anymore, but we're calling it lay-led spiritual renewal. But it's all the same thing. We hope that you will participate through prayer. We hope that you will participate through devotion. And we hope that you'll come and participate as uh, your people that are sitting right beside you and in the pews will be participating in these services and sharing with you what God has done in their life. Thank you so much. And through that, hopefully the Lord will give all of us a new vision. We're going to be singing about that now. Be Thou My Vision, number 60 in the hymnal. Let's stand as we sing, number 60.
Thank you to all those that came yesterday for our How to Hear the Voice of God session. That was a great time for us as we prepare for spiritual renewal. You ever drunk out of a cup that big? Huh? They don't give you big cups like that just yet, do they? I bet they got lids on them like that, though. He's like, I don't know about that. That's right. That's right. And listen, I ain't going to make you drink out of this, and I promise. I'll prove that point in a minute. Uh, hey, I need you to come here a minute because I'm going to ask you a question. Can, can, you, can you come in here? I'm going to use you this morning. Would you drink out of that cup? No. Why? Because it's yours. Because what? It's yours. Because it's mine. <laughs> okay. That's a great point. Mom and Daddy have raised you well. You just don't drink out of somebody else's cup. That's good. I like that. Well, you know, this cup appears to be okay. And and minus, don't worry about whether it says Carolina on it or not. I just grabbed it off my desk. But I know what's inside of it. And see, that's the thing. From the outside, it looks like this thing's okay to drink out of. But on the inside, not so much, huh? That's pretty gross, isn't it? The sad thing is, is I've got three or four cups on my desk like this. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll be sitting there working, and I'll, and I'll recognize that the, the cup next to me is really bad, so I need to rinse it out. But the thing is, just because the outside looks clean doesn't mean that the inside's clean. In, in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has an experience where he actually sees God. And in verse 3, he says, talking about the, the angels that were there, they say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah says this in verse 5, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So when Isaiah saw God, he realized that he was dirty, that he was unclean. And when we, when we come into the presence of God, the brightness of God shows our dirt. Shows our dirt. You know, I asked somebody the other day, I said, how many times do you, get a, do you take a bath? You take a bath every day, every other day at least, at that age. Um, but for most of us in here, we take a bath every day. But the funny thing is, is we don't always want to take a spiritual bath. It's not fun to sit down and ask God to reveal all the stuff inside of us that's bad. But in order to get clean, that's what God has us do is we have to repent and ask forgiveness of those things and know that the inside of us is dirty. But when we ask God to come in and fill our insides, we're clean because of Jesus. Um, That's the cool thing. So as we all begin to think about getting cleaned up like taking a bath, know that Jesus' blood and death on the cross cleans us. Now I know everybody says, well, that's just dirty. Well... 
but it, it covers our sins. The Bible tells us that it was necessary. But we have to do that quite often, unfortunately, just because of the sin that's around us and in the world. But as we prepare for spiritual renewal, we let God clean us by, by allowing him to fill us up. All right, let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to always know that we can come to you and, and ask for forgiveness, that we recognize that through your son, Jesus, that that can happen. So may we all continually seek to renew ourselves and to let you clean us, to let you fill us up. And may we get rid of all the sinful things that are in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The next one, the song that we're singing, you will need your bulletin as we're singing a hymn that's been around for almost 20 years now called How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Let's stand as we sing this together, please. <coughs>
Let's bow together. Father, we all have dirty cups. There's not one person within the sound of my voice can say, look at my cup, it's all clean. Not one. For all of us, there's just different levels of dirtiness. And Father, your grace covers it all. But one of the great realizations we must have to be able to move forward spiritually is to realize that our cup is dirty. We can delude ourselves. We can fool ourselves. We can compare ourselves with others. We can say, I'm okay. I'm quite a good fellow. There's nothing wrong with me. And when we hear that voice, it's the voice of the devil. Father, help us to understand our need of grace. Help us to understand how important it is to be aware of our need of grace. We're thankful, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. We're going to share this morning, Lord, about the human heart and how all of our hearts are sick and we need constant healing and attention. Be in this worship service today. Speak to our hearts. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. In my younger years, one of my jobs was to be a courier in Kansas City area. And to kind of pass the time as you're driving from point A to point B in the city, I would listen to the radio and, and uh, especially local people there on the radio. And they were discussing some spiritual things, which is kind of dangerous in the radio uh, setting and things. And one of the ladies called up and they were talking about what it was to be a Christian. And their discussion went something like this. I go to church and I... And I um, I even teach Sunday school, but I'm not what you would call one of those born-again Christians. And I immediately looked at the radio. I talk to my radio a lot, I guess, whenever that happens. I talk to my TV, too. You'll find that out to be true. And I asked them, what do you do about John 3 when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and says, you must be born again? How did they handle that? Of course, they didn't answer back. If they did, that really would have been spooky. But... Um, <laughs> But our song is just about that. Number 322 is an old gospel song called You Must Be Born Again. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John. Let's stand and sing. 
would you please have a seat for just a minute? I uh, am very excited about what's going on in our church. And for some reason, I keep being asked to come up here. So I'm taking it in stride and I'm being bold. So here we go. Um, I missed a lot of you yesterday. I'm sorry you missed such a great time. Alice said she wouldn't be here and today because she's preaching somewhere else. But we had a good time. We really did. And she said it was a seven-hour sermon, to, or discussion, what study, whatever you want to call it. And she wrapped it all up in two hours. In two hours' time, I thought it was ten minutes. It was so great. So great. We just, it was just really a blessing. I can't get it off my mind. I shared with my Sunday school class. It just keeps bubbling up. I can't get it off my mind. Uh, raise your hand if you know what a vice is. I like vice grip, but like uh, talking to the radio. <laughs> okay, I have a vice. Chocolate ice cream. I really have several vices, but that's one of them. Uh, the other one is beef. I love a side of beef. Filet, but I couldn't drag that up here, so I brought my ice cream bucket. Now, my ice cream bucket's been washed clean. And this is the first time I have bought this particular brand, and it has a container, and I'm not one to throw away a good container. Got that from Joan Parrish. Save your containers. It's a good container. It's got a good snap-on lid. Everything's good about it. It's really good. I have a container right here. It's not so good. And I have a friend who has given me some words, and you may recognize the words, and I'm going to share them with you, and I want you to think about them before we pray over our offering. This might hurt. It's not safe. But I know that I've got to make a change. I don't care if I break. At least I'll be feeling something. Because just okay is not enough. Help me fight through the nothingness of life. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to go one more day. Without your all-consuming passion inside of me, I don't want to spend my whole life asking, what if I had given everything instead of going through the motions? No regrets, not this time. I'm going to let my heart defeat my mind. Let your love make me whole. I think I'm finally feeling something because just okay is not enough. Help me fight through the nothingness of this life. Because I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to go one more day without your all-consuming passion inside of me. I don't want to spend my whole life asking, what if I had given everything instead of going through the motions? Matthew West. Would you please stand with me? Heavenly Father, help us to be faithfully setting aside resources and time for your work and then show us where to share it in this community, in this church, in this world. In Jesus' name, all God's people say, Amen.
scriptures taken from two portions of God's Word, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10, talks about the nature of the human heart. The human heart, apart from the guidance of the Holy Spirit, is deceitful. It's not right. The Bible says it's sick. Jeremiah talks about it in 17th chapter, verses 9 and 10. And I read, The heart is more deceitful than all else. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. <clears throat> then a scripture that you all I know are familiar with. It was in our song today that we sing, sung a few moments ago about Nicodemus. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. <clears throat> this man came to him by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Would you all agree this morning that there's something desperately wrong with mankind? with all of us to one degree or another, but the human family as a whole. Why is that? Because we keep making the same mistakes. We keep doing over and over again things that hurt us, things that hurt other people around us. Selfishness is wrong, we know that. If we're selfish people, we alienate others. If we're selfish people, we become disillusioned by that selfishness. But that doesn't stop people from being selfish. We find people that are sometimes so full of ego, they can't think of anything but themselves. They can't think of anything but what they desire or what they want, even if they have to step over other people. And deep down inside, maybe they know that's wrong, but that doesn't stop people from being filled with ego. We read about it and we know about it that if we get involved in, or anybody gets involved with the drug scene, illicit drugs, abuse drugs, that it causes heartache, it causes difficulty, it causes trouble with family and friends and work and all that thing. But every day we pick up the paper, we see people doing the same thing over and over again. That doesn't stop them. We know that pride goes before a fall. We know that if we become too prideful that we... We turn away people and it's destructive and we can't see the needs of others because we only think of our own. But that doesn't stop people from being prideful. We know that alcohol abuse is hurtful. It's hurtful to families. It's hurtful to families. It's hurtful to everyone. It causes all kinds of problems and I've seen it through the years. But that doesn't stop people from abusing alcohol. Dishonesty can be something that can wreck a person's life, not being truthful, not telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth, but that doesn't stop people from being dishonest. 
We know that stealing is wrong, and we know that stealing causes people to be thrown into prison. But every time we turn around, someone's stealing something somewhere. That doesn't stop us. Unfaithfulness to the marriage vow. We know and we can see and understand that that causes problems to all kinds of families and people and hurt in-laws and children and wives and, and husbands and all that kind of thing. But that doesn't stop that from happening, does it? What is wrong? It's like humankind drinks poisoned water, gets sick, and says again, well, I think I'll go back there and try it again. Maybe it'll be different the second time around. What in the world's wrong with us? The German Goethe said these words. He took the suffering human race. He read each wound, each weakness clear, and struck his finger on the place and said, Thou ailest here the heart, the human heart, all of us to one degree or another. Our hearts are wrong. Even Paul admitted this. If you look at the seventh chapter of Romans, he says, I can know what to do is right, but I can't do it. I can know what's correct, but then I end up doing things that I know are not correct. Even the great apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, could admit to that. Here in this one sentence in Jeremiah is an answer to all of man's contradictions. Why in the world do we do what we do, say what we say, feel what we feel? Now the heart. What is it? We use that word a lot, don't we? I love you with all my heart. <laughs> what do we mean when we say that? It's more than the seed of the emotions. The heart is the center of our spiritual lives. The Bible says that out of the heart spring the issues of life. Out of the heart spring our motives, our purposes, our desires, our attitudes, our thoughts. And what the Bible tells us is the human heart without the guidance of the Holy Spirit is naturally wrong. It's wrong. A better translation is it's sick. It's not well by its very nature. And this evil and sickness of the human heart is inscrutable to man. Who can know it? Who can understand it? Why do we do what we do and keep going back to things that we know aren't right? It's like we can't help ourselves. We're blinded by our own sense, maybe of pride or prejudice or self-admiration. Now, folks, there's a lot of good things about man. Man has great knowledge, great education. Man has great technological skill. Man has been able to achieve great things in science and in medicine. Man has subdued the world. We rule the world. There are many things that we can look to mankind and say these things are good. But the heart of man, without the help of the Holy Spirit, is still sick, is selfish, and self-centered. That is its very nature at its core. The heart, listen, my friends, the heart is not just sick in what it does. 
The heart is sick in what it is. It is not just in deeds. It is in its very nature, its very core, its very makeup. You cannot change the nature of your heart any more than you can change what size you are as an adult. That's not going to happen. Now, the outer life is sometimes a mask that a person wears. All is well with me. All is fine with me. But many times it's a mask. But the heart within is not Godward. And the root of that evil in the heart itself will. I want what I want. I want what I desire. I want things to work out the way I want them to work out. Now, this heart disease does not show itself in the same way with every person. Sometimes that can be seen in some people by criticizing others. You've heard people, you've known people through the years that are very critical. Their whole philosophy of life is, I'm going to raise myself up by lowering everybody else down. Sometimes that is seen in vain boasting and pride. Pride of your accomplishments, pride of your success, pride of money, pride of possessions, and that is how it becomes noticeable. Sometimes it's a false sense of humility. What a humble guy am I? But it's not really real. It's covering something quite opposite of humility. Sometimes it's seen in a great ego and accomplishments and pride and all those things. Sometimes it's some secret sin that people hide and no one knows but God in themselves. And see, all this points to the fact that the heart is sick and we in and of ourselves can do nothing about it. For many, they can't see the problem at all. They measure themselves, I'm as good as the next guy. I'm not as bad as that fellow in prison over there. Well, you should have seen what happened to that neighbor or that used to be friend. I'm pretty good by whose measuring stick. We're blinded to our own sickness of heart. And we need to have our hearts revealed to us, my friends, what the real nature is. And where do we find that? We find it in the Scripture, in the Scripture that we read for today. What, is, uh, what do we know about the Scripture? It says the Word of God is quick, is, is quick and powerful like a two-edged sword that cuts to the very heart of things. So we know who we really are. There's no self-deception going on. How do you find out the truth about the human heart? You just read your Bible and you'll find it. It's right there. Look at it. See it. Alice called it yesterday. It's in the manual. Just read the manual. You'll find out. Look at your heart in the life of Jesus Christ. And until you get God's view of your human nature and human nature in general, you'll never know you got a problem. And so do I. You see, God can heal our hearts and make our hearts better. But we're never all together right. <laughs> Anybody comes to you and says, I got it all figured out, mark that person. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> the Holy Spirit cannot work in that kind of heart. You see, God knows our hearts. He knows us. 
He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your motives. He knows your concealments. He knows your secret sins. He knows your unknown struggles. God knows your heart, and he searches the heart. And God knows while the whole world may be deceived, he searches our hearts and our minds, and he knows the truth about us and about everybody. You know what the hardest thing to do is? You know what the most unrewarding thing to do is? Listen, it's to go to church and try to be good and your heart hadn't been changed by the new birth. Now that's miserable. And I can tell you it's miserable because I did it for years. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to do right. I know what them Ten Commandments are. I just can't do them. That's no good. That's not, that's not a happy time. You know nothing of the Holy Spirit. Now we all know the story of Nicodemus. Now, in many ways, Nicodemus was a great soul. He had fine qualities of sensitivity. He had an inquiring mind. He wanted to know truth. And he was a good moral man. And he wanted to be open to truth. Why we know that is that Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrin. And all the men in the Sanhedrin, almost every one of them, except maybe one other, Joseph of Arimathea, all of them were enemies of Jesus. They didn't like Jesus. They saw Jesus as a threat. All of his friends opposed, were opposed to Jesus. But Nicodemus was a little different. He said, there's something here that needs to be pursued. And he came to Jesus by night. Now, we must say that he was at least a cautious guy. He wanted to interview him. He did wanted to do it kind of in secret. And Jesus said to him, you must be born again. Born again literally means begotten from above. The human heart by its very nature from its core needs to be changed. That is the work of Jesus Christ. That is the work of the Lord and only the Lord. It's not your work. It's here to change the nature of the human heart. Not only toward ourselves, but toward God. The Bible talks about this, my friends, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. When one is in Christ, what? He is a new creature. Now, what that means is totally new. All old things have passed away. Behold, all has become new. My friends, the Christian life is not lived by willpower. It's not lived by trying hard. It's not lived by doing better. It's not lived by grim determination. The Christian life is not turning over a new leaf. It's not trying harder. It's not good morals. It's not living by the golden rule. It starts when God gives you a new heart. And that's his work. You're born again by his power. The Christian life is not scrambling up and trying and trying and doing better and falling back two steps and going one, then three, then two. You know, that's not it. God does it to you. He comes down to you. We see this in our songs. The national hymn of Baptist is Amazing Grace. Would you not agree? <laughs> national anthem. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Jonathan Newton wrote that. He was the captain of a slave ship. And when he said he was a wretch, buddy, he meant it. <laughs> and he got the new birth. 
He didn't say, I'm going to start getting better all on my own. I'm going to get this out of my life. I'm going to start changing that. I'm going to tweak this a little bit. No. The Lord did something to him because he opened himself up to the Lord. It's a mystery. When the Lord saved me, no one was more surprised than me. It's a mystery. If the new life in God is to be lived, there must be a change of heart that as we ask God to bring that newness on us, he brings it to us, holy, new, built up in a new way. It's not just a little tinkering with oneself. Some people say, well, you can't change all that stuff. You can't do all that. That's not impossible. And I'm here as a witness to say, yes, it is. I like what one fellow said, sow a thought and reap an act, sow an act and reap a habit, sow a habit and reap a character, sow a character and you reap a destiny. God changes the heart. The work of God is to change the human heart. So where before you had a desire for the world, <clears throat> you had a desire to lift yourself up above others. You had a desire to trumpet your accomplishments. You had a desire to try to do some things on the periphery of the Christian life, thinking, well, that's okay, you know, that's, that's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. You had a desire to get by with as little as you could to be called a Christian. Now you have a desire for God with all your heart. Now you have a desire to read his word. Now you have a desire to be in his church every time the doors open. Now you have a spirit to serve him because God has changed your heart. Bill and Gloria Gaither sang about this old song many years ago. He touched me, oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. This is the work of God. Jeremiah said it in another part of his prophecy when he said, I will change your heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the work of God. You must be born again. You cannot be born again by going to church. You cannot be going to you cannot be saved by, by rubbing shoulders with Christians, by being good. That's not it. When you realize, you realize that your heart is sick and you can't be filled with pride and realize your heart is sick. You need to dip, dish that pride thing. When you realize you're lost, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. You're not partially lost, friend. Either you're found or you're lost. I'm kind of lost. I'm maybe lost. No, you're lost. Or you're not lost. There's no in-between. Then God, when you realize that, God can change your heart. He can change your heart anytime you let him change your heart. When we get rid of the pride and the ego, the sense of self-sufficiency, when we get rid of the, I know what is best for me, you know what's telling you that? Your human heart. And what does the Bible say about that? It's deceitful. Who can understand it? Cyprian 
was a Christian many years ago when the church was young and there was persecution in all the churches. People were paying for their lives, literally, for being Christians. And Cyprian from prison wrote a letter to his friend Donatus, who he hadn't seen in a number of years. He hadn't seen him since he became a Christian. And he wrote these words. It is a hard world, Donatus, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than all the pleasures of this world. Their, have, their hearts have been changed to serve God. These people, Donatus, are Christians, and I am one of them. Has God changed your heart? If you're honest with yourself, you know the answer to that. Has God humbled you? Has God ditched all the stuff of pride and ego and activities in your life that you know aren't right? Has God changed your heart to get serious about him and to serve him? Let's bow together. Father, help us not to listen to the voices that are deceitful. Help us not listen to the things, Lord, that maybe we have listened to for years. And we have deluded ourselves. Father, help us to know the human heart without the touch of your sweet Holy Spirit is deceitful, is sick, not right. Father, to give our hearts to you, our hearts must be broken. We must cast aside all sense of self-sufficiency, all sense that we know best what we want, all sense of charting our own course, doing our own thing. There's no other road to a life with you without a broken, contrite heart. The word says a broken and contrite heart, Lord, you will not despise. Lord, help us to give our hearts to you. Only by giving our hearts to you can we know you and serve you. Only by giving our hearts to you can you change our hearts. So your will for us becomes our will. And these are the things we want to do from the heart. We want to read your word. We want to be in your house. We want to pray. We want to serve you. We want to reach other peoples. That's not something we have to do. That is something that we want to do because our hearts have been changed by your spirit. Help us to give our hearts to you. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. I'll be down front for the invitation. Our invitation hymn is number 305. I have decided to follow Jesus.
305. Let's stand, please. appreciate these folks coming down just for prayer, whatever the Lord laid on their hearts. I always want to let you and encourage you. If I've ever said anything from the pulpit that makes you think, that makes you wonder about yourself, and this aisle seems awful long and these people seem awful big, <laughs> you go to Wesley, you come to me one-on-one. It would be our privilege. If you say, well, I don't think that's ever happened to me. I don't know what that preacher's talking about. We'd love to tell you what it's about. <laughs> so uh, you feel free that we are here for you. That's why the Lord called us to do what we're doing. So you feel free to do that. I also, in closing, want to encourage you to be a part of our lay renewal time. These will be different services. You will be leading these services I told the secretaries when I saw all that had been prepared by this, well, all these people, I said, now look at this. 
The only thing I got to do for this thing is stand up here in the front of the church at the end. Ain't that great? You know, you know, it's a wonderful thing that this is the church speaking, not just me, not just Wesley, not just Paul. It's your talking. And you may find a refreshing great word, and it'll be a blessing for those who take part in it too. So you come, you support, invite others to come. That'll be Sunday morning at regular time, 5 o'clock that evening, and then Monday at 7 o'clock. You may, just circle those dates. You'll be glad you did. Okay, let's all bow together. And Wesley, would you lead us in a benediction? And I'll go to the back if you'll do that. Father God, we are humbled by how good you are. We recognize your greatness and are thankful to be able to be here in this place to worship a loving and merciful God. But God, I pray that you would do in our lives whatever is necessary to cause us to turn to you and to trust you and to recognize that you are the only thing that matters in this world. I know many of us, Father, stand before you with lots of things going on in our lives. But I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give us the ability to come before you and allow you to do in us what no one else can do. Prepare our hearts, prepare our lives, do in us what needs to be done so that you can be glorified and honored. And as we leave this place, may other people see you inside of us. May they see how great and loving you are because of the way we treat them, because of the way we act toward them. May we show them the same grace, the same love, the same mercy that you have shown on us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.